Hello, everybody, and welcome back to Pain Uncovered podcast. Sorry it's been a while. It's been uh, a little bit busy in the physio and, and rehab world. Um, how have you been, John? Yeah, really, really good. It's nice to be fully open again and, like you said, being very, very busy, but helping everyone with those aches and pains and lockdown lockdown dramas. So it's, it's really good to have the clinic doors open. And for those of you who don't know, Liam is in clinic with us on Thursday nights as well. Keeping them nice and busy. How are you getting on, Liam? You alright? Yeah, it's good. Um, it's great to be kind of seeing everything again, all the different injuries, like you say, that have cropped up during the uh, the crazy few months that we've uh, found ourselves in. Yeah. Uh, it's a bit bit different wearing PPE all the time and and spaces between clients for kind of deep cleaning and stuff. But just kind of everyone knows we're doing everything we can to keep ourselves, you, and and everybody as safe as we can while delivering as good service as we as we always do so absolutely i mean at the end of the day hygiene and infection control is is just important now than it ever was um and even though lockdown has been relaxed a bit the threat is still there and it's important that we keep you us and everyone else safe um so although we may look a little bit scary behind the masks and the gloves it's still us we're still smiling even though you can't see it some people say i look better to be fair <laughs> <laughs> behind that visor yeah <laughs> moving on then guys so today we are we put it out on our social medias for those of you um, who saw it thanks for contributing and we've basically created and put it out to you so you are controlling this week's podcast so it's all about q a so we've had a few people sort of make a few make a couple of comments and questions towards us that they're obviously struggling with um, and we are here to quickly do a snippet review of those giving you a couple of tips um, it won't be overly long but if you want us to focus in more detail on any of the topics covered today let us know and we can create a separate entity on that particular topic do you want to kick start us off then today Liam what have you what questions have you had in let's, let's run on one I know you had one with uh, pregnancy didn't you yeah, so uh, a question came in with somebody who was uh, starting to suffer from some pelvic pain uh, during pregnancy. Now, I will add, uh, I'm pretty confident that this was my wife, as I think she's fishing for me to uh, to treat her aching hips and back. Um, book her in. But, uh, <laughs> uh, yeah, I did say, yeah, head, on, head online and book an appointment. It didn't go down too well. Um, but kind of just to say from my point of view that... The, Pelvic pain is pretty common um, during pregnancy and, and there's a few reasons. I mean, most obviously it's the change in, in the shape. Um, carrying the weight of the baby on the front of you causes your back to arch a little bit more so pressure builds up around the lower back. Um, the other main reason is because of hormones. So throughout the pregnancy, the level of the re hormone relaxing increases. Now, as its name implies, it causes things to relax most noticeably ligaments and tendons. Our pelvis and the, the kind of lower back and pelvic area relies an awful lot on ligamental stability to hold everything in place. Now, in order to prepare a lady for birth, the relaxing kicks in and relaxes all of those ligaments to create space for the baby and then the baby can pass out. Um, and this results in some people in some pain developing because there's more movement than we're used to. Um, there's, there's a few different treatments you can do sort of hands-on wise some gentle mobilizations of the pelvis and some soft tissue work around the key areas but for me the most important thing that, that I'll always say is to encourage the correct exercises so 
um, especially in the latter stages of pregnancy, sort of pelvic floor exercise is really important. They attach to the underside of the pelvis, which creates that bottom level of stability. So lots of pelvic floor contraction. Um, keeping the glutes active. Your poor glutes are, are working double time because you tend to sway to the side um, when you're walking rather than, than walking kind of with your, with your knees coming forward because of, because of the bump and the extra weight. Um, so making sure the glutes are working um, well and just some very gentle core and transverse um, abdominal exercises to help keep things as good as possible. Things like sitting on a gym ball can be really helpful as well but it's a bit of a, of a big topic so maybe in a future podcast we could cover sort of um, self-help and what exercises people can do throughout different stages of the pregnancy but yeah it's a bit of a whistle-stop tour of it. I think that's, that's really valid and important and I can guarantee there's a lot of women out there who, who struggle with this and who don't really necessarily have the go-to information. So I think a very, very valid, valid topic. And, and just like with anything, um, the stronger you are going into a, a situation, the stronger and the quicker you are recovering from. Same with surgery, same with pregnancy, and it's going to help, help relieve that, that discomfort to a degree. Um, so yeah, no, very, very valid. If this affects you, do get in touch um, and we will cover this more and we get a couple of professionals in so you can physically pick their brains and get some really detailed information on that. Awesome. Now I had, I had uh, one in and a question came through saying, um, please, please help me with my shin splints. They just won't go away. Okay. So um, again, very, very common. Um, I feel sorry for all the, the runners out there, especially the people who had all the marathons planned, all the training they did leading up to it, and it got cancelled. And, and now they're almost in this um, unknown state of, are they going to happen? Aren't they going to happen? How much training are we doing? Um, but essentially, shin splints, shin splints is, is a very common injury. Um, and, and for those who think they may be struggling with it, it's, it's essentially pain, or you generally, generally get pain in the, the lower part of the shin on the inside aspect, um, towards the bottom third usually. Um, and it starts off by triggering sort of towards the beginning of your run, then maybe triggers and flares up again towards the end of your run after you've finished. Now, if left untreated, this can progressively get worse um, to the point of it, it triggers a lot sooner, it lasts a lot longer through the run or the jog, um, and it just it becomes more persistent. And that can, that can even sort of trigger down into into walking um which is which is horrible um there is tender tender pain if you try and palpate so if you feel down the inside lower part of the shin and you usually get a bit of pain information um through when you're trying to lift your toes towards your head um or or and you get a bit of um loss of what we call plant flexion so when you when you try and point your foot away from you so these can all be signs of of shin splints it's really important that we understand what we're dealing with and, and give you tips to sort of resolve it. Um, so essentially it can be caused by overloading and that's the most common for me, biomechanics and overloading of that particular structure is, is the most frequent cause of that um, issue. Um, quite, a, quite a useful tip with regards to the trigger and overload would be a loss of hip external rotation and a loss of plant flexion, like I just said. Now, if we can identify whether you have that loss, um, we can look to reduce the common loads when you're running. So if you do have a loss on those two ranges of movement, um, that's gonna naturally overload that lower limb. However, top tips, especially for this individual who knows they're struggling with it, is look to strengthen the weakness. 
Now, the most common muscles associated with this are the tibialis anterior and posterior. So two muscles in the, in the shin. Um, really, really useful exercises for this would be uh, toe, toe raises um, to help strengthen the front of your shin. Um, an easy way to do this, but maybe just sort of leaning back against the wall um, and literally lifting your toes and ball of the feet off the floor. And you want, you want to try and achieve in the region of sort of four sets of 25 reps. It's quite high volume, uh, but obviously if it causes you pain, start at a lower rep range, lower set range, and try and progress up to that. Calf raises are really important as well. Stepping on the edge of a step, um, slowly lower your heels all the way to or as far down as you can so you get a bit of a stretch. Make sure that your toes don't come off that step um, just to in, engage all the sort of um, muscles through the sole of your foot. And then drive up, nice control, three, three seconds up, three seconds down. So it's a nice, nice control count. Three sets of 15 would be good on that. Obviously, as we progress forward, if that's too easy, you can add load and add resistance. Um, another really uh, important one is to, to target the tibialis posterior that we mentioned now. Uh, two exercises for this. Again, calf raises, but maybe turn your feet outwards slightly. So they're pointing out slightly and you're rolling onto the lesser toes, so maybe the, the little toes as you drive up and drive down. Um, and another one we've done a little video on a little while ago is a calf raise, but pop a tennis ball between your heels and maximally squeeze your heels as you're going up into a normal calf raise and back down again. That's just a really good way to, to activate and, and bring into play that tip posterior. So essentially strengthening the ability of your calf and shin to load and manage the load from that repetitive initial contact within your running to decelerate. Essentially, that's that's where the stress comes from. Um, rest a little bit, relative rest. I'm not saying sit on your bum for six weeks, but just if you're running every single day, you wouldn't train your biceps every single day. Running doesn't make you stronger. We need to make sure that we are strength training, but introducing some rest into your system of, of running program. So, so take a little look at your running program and, and think to yourself, Am I running too much? Am I doing a volume, volume run on this day, um, tempo run on this day, interval and speed work on this day? You know, is it too much? Do you need to implement a bit of rest? More than likely, yes. Um, and really just look to lengthen the tissue as well, lengthen the muscle as well. And that can be done through a little bit of stretching, whether that's static or dynamic. Um, but I always like to add a little bit of what we call eccentric loading in. So within any of the exercises we just mentioned, Focus on the slow and controlled movement on the way down into that stretch motion. Um, again, scientifically proven to help with flexibility training as well as that. It's going to help manage that deceleration when you are running um, to, to reduce the stress on the shin splits. Um, whistle stop tour again. Um, Liam, anything else? Sorry, I was talking on my own there. Anything else you want to sort of chuck in on that or do you agree with that sort of system of approach? Yeah, completely, completely agree. Uh, the key thing is, from from my point of view, figure out why they've come about. Um, like I say, is it biomechanics? Is it overtraining? Is it is it poor programming or programming you're not used to? And then adjusting that from where from there. But if um, you're suffering, especially acutely, just take some of the load away. All right, don't keep running on these things because you'll end up with a stress fracture, and then you are out for a while, and you're not going to be very happy. Um, so just listen to your body sometimes um, and get in touch for um, assessments, etc., um, to help nip these things in the bud, really, so they don't become a, a chronic problem. So couldn't agree more. Couldn't agree more. Obviously, there's a lot of other reasons why that might trigger. Um, these are just the most common issues. So give those few strength exercises a go. And if you're struggling, if you're listening to this, and this is this sort of really reflects to you, if you're struggling, let us know and we can uh, we can help further on that.
Any other questions that you had, Liam? I know there's a couple. Yeah, so um, ice or heat on an injury. Um, yeah, it's one of those where, uh, is there a right or wrong answer? Probably not. Um, clinically or evidence-based, you might say that ice helps to treat inflammation a little bit better. Um, and there's probably very little evidence to show that heat therapy in itself, applying a hot water bottle or a hot compress or something, does much to the to the tissue. But actually, through kind of clinical evidence, looking at it yourself, it does make things feel a little bit looser. So, from my opinion, what I would normally recommend to people is if something is acutely injured, so just happened, it's inflamed, it looks angry, I would then look to ice but not overdo it. All right. Probably 20 minutes, um, ice three times a day, probably a maximum. You don't need to sit there for hours and hours on ends with an ice pack on, on your foot. Um, and the flip side of that, if something is feeling stiff, if something's feeling tight and sore, that's when I would probably look to, to use heat to help ease up some of that tension. Um, having said that, some people, it responds better to the other way around. So if someone comes into me and they've, you know, got this kind of neck stiffness and tightness and the neck's not moving very well. And they say, well, actually, when I put an ice pack on in the evening, it feels a whole lot better afterwards. Well, carry on with it. If it's working, then, yeah, if it's working, stick with it. Um, John, anything anything different? I completely agree. And there is this age-old argument. And there's a lot of research, um, and a lot of the research sort of goes along the lines of trying to show how heat can actually be super beneficial in acute stages as well. Um, but again, personally, ice vasoconstricts it. It tightens the blood vessels. Heat vasodilates it. Expands the blood vessels. So exactly the same principle within clinic, at least. If it's acute, swollen and angry, apply ice. If it's tight, a little bit older in, in injury state, apply heat. But listen to your body if it reacts the opposite way around. Do that. I, I usually say as well that um, if it's a little bit of an older injury and you have this sort of constant or this ongoing bruising type scenario um even after four or five days the bruising's still there it's quite dark um it reacts better to heat than ice then then maybe move into a bit of of contrast therapy so a couple of minutes of ice a couple of minutes of heat literally just switching out quite rapidly for a round of five so starting on ice finishing on ice uh, two minutes of each and that that just helps create this uh, manual pump dilates and constricts dilates and constricts so it can help um, flush out any any stubborn sort of um, toxins that are in your body um, and, and the inflammation and, and can bring in some fresh oxygenated blood. Um, interestingly, um, as well, anti-inflammatories. What are your, what are your views on anti-inflammatories, Liam? Because a lot of evidence supports the notion that non-steroidal anti-inflammatory drugs taken within the first 72 hours distorts our natural healing process and shouldn't be taken. Um, so that kind of, again, reinforces my viewpoint of icing initially. Um, I, would say, I would usually say sort of steer clear of, of um, ibuprofen and, and anti-inflammatories for the first 72 hours. Let the body do its thing. Yeah, I think generally I would. It depends how much this is um, affecting somebody and the sort of injury. If, you know, if you've got a uh, sudden onset of back pain, um, as opposed to something like a sprained ankle, well, maybe actually using um, some anti-inflammatories, ibuprofen, naproxen, etc., um, early on might help you to keep moving and prevent the secondary problems. 
But if it's a sprained ankle, I probably would give it two or three days without let nature take its course, get all that bruising and, and bleeding and everything done inside and then start to use them to, to kind of assist in your in your recovery. Um, quite interesting as well, I think some evidence over the last couple of years looks at the application of heat and ice. And when we apply heat, it causes what we call, like you mentioned, vasodilation. So blood vessels open up, which allows blood to flow there. They then also looked at ice and that caused the opposite, vasoconstriction, so everything tightens up a little bit. But then when you remove that ice and it kind of slowly comes back to normal temperature, because that's a little bit of a shock to the system, there's a school of thought that that then opens the blood vessels up further and then encouraging the blood flow, which supports that alternating heat and ice theory for those kind of grotty, if you like, bruised injuries. Um, and they both technically could do a very similar thing. So. I don't know if we've really answered that question or confused people further, but I think in my opinion, if it's swollen and, and, and sore, stick an ice on. If it's stiff and tight, stick a hot water bottle on it. Absolutely, couldn't agree more. In summary, exactly what Liam just said. <laughs> <laughs> so, All right, next up. Yeah. So exercises to help with a sprained ankle. We did Far away, John. On this, right? <laughs> so first off, if you're struggling with a sprained ankle, head back uh, a couple of podcasts and we do a whole episode on sprained ankles and the cause and the best um, rehab for it. But again, um, sorry, Liv, was it exercises that this individual was after? Yeah, so um, if you've gone over on your ankle, um, essentially you've created a bit of ligament laxity there. Um, so you, essentially your balance is gonna be off, a bit off. You're gonna have this guarding type sensation around your ankle it might be a bit stiff but also feel unstable so definitely look to improve initially it depends on what stage this individual's at but look to improve and encourage range of movement to get the full range of movement back and if you are struggling with that just sitting on the end of the couch um always my go to it um exercises is right in the alphabet with your with your ankle with as much of a range of movement as you can capital letters that helps put the ankle through every range of movement you can think of um, just encouraging range of movement stability let's let's really sort of get the ligaments firing and create a bit of stability within that damaged structure and this can be done very simply um proprioceptive training there's so many different drills out there but again as basic as standing on that one leg near a wall if you need to but try not to uh, let the other foot touch down and see if you can get three sets of 30 seconds just standing on that one leg with a nice soft knee um, you'll feel your ankle working overtime your toes gripping into the floor let's let's encourage that um, as that improves you can take that time on you can close your eyes to take out that visual stimulus you can even stand on a slightly softer surface so it might be a, a gym mat or a pillow just to create this um, uncertainty within Within the, uh, within the musculature and within the ligament sort of movement, body's movement, and that just gets things firing even harder. At a later stage, you can definitely move into more functional, dynamic type stability training to suit whatever your background is. That might be a sports-related movement or work environment-related movement. Um, but again, every bit of rehab we prescribe is, is individual to that background and the, and the individual's lifestyle. Um, support might come in the range of an ankle support if it's really bothering you day to day and you run the risk of re-rolling it obviously that's one thing we definitely want to reduce is the reoccurrence of that ankle injury um, so that might come in uh, in the form of, uh, of a simple support sleeve some kt tape or something a bit more rigid depending on what the circumstances are uh, but essentially strength and stability 
and improving and regaining that, that range of movement is key. Liam, thoughts? Um, what you said, really. Yeah. Get it moving, get it strong. And yeah, for more information, just go back a couple of episodes and uh, you can listen to half an hour of us rambling on like that about, uh, about sprained ankles. If you, if you can bear that long. <laughs> it's, a really, it's, a really, it's a really valid um, valid question and that's why we did a podcast on it because it's quite a common injury. So definitely get yourself back and listen to that, that podcast. Awesome. Um, moving on to uh, probably one of the last questions, I believe, um, just for time purposes. We have an individual, again, just asking the question. Um, let me find it quickly. Um, I'm really struggling with overhead movements within the gym. Um, always feel like my back and shoulders compensate when trying to position weights over my head. Okay, so this, um, this is a really interesting one because it, it, it was all to do with a few things we've mentioned in a couple of previous podcasts as well with regards to the spine and your posture um, and how much... Um, degree of motion and movement you have in your scapulas, your shoulder blades, um, what your spinal position is like, how restricted you are in spinal rotation, um, upper cross syndrome, so the tightness in your chest and the weakness in associated muscle groups surrounding back, etc. There could be a number of reasons why you're struggling to, to get in that overhead position. Um, I'm going to cover a couple of things before I do that. I just want to give Liam a chance to sort of jump in. Um, top reasons off the top of your head, Liam, why this may, or common ones that you may sort of highlight and see? Reasons. Yeah, probably the most common one I would see would be stiffness in the thoracic spine, so the mid-back and limited extension of the thoracic spine, so leaning backwards. And like this person mentions, you then tend to compensate from your lower back. So working on some um, thoracic mobility, again, in the previous podcast we spoke about, but generally trying to get that part of your spine moving with some things like thread the needle stretching, some extension over a foam roller, um, etc. I think second to that probably is stiffness within the shoulder or the glenohumeral joint itself, um, which is really common that when we tend to lift our arm up in the air, even without using a weight, we then compensate again because of stiffness here and use our lower back or our hips to generate that movement further. And that's then exacerbated when you stick a bar with it, with a bit of weight on and, and chuck it up over your head. Uh, It'd be interesting to know whether this individual struggles with back pain, lower back pain, uh, because again, like you said, that, that restriction naturally we compensate by sticking the chest out and marching our back a lot. Um, agree. Uh, tightness in the chest as well jumping in jumping in on, on sort of what you were talking about and that might be down to posture or just lack of stretching out the chest and mobilising through the chest and lengthening the chest um, but quite quite often we get so fixated on this this body image and we try and get a big chest that actually the chest muscles are so tight and short that we can't physically take our arms um, in and open up our chest so into this limited what we call external rotated positions so that comes into the rotated cuff muscles as well but a restriction to externally rotate the shoulder when you're in this shoulder press type position um, can be a major part so opening up the chest getting a bit of mobility through the chest and improving um, your external rotated position is really important lats lats are always a big one for me so the big back muscles the latissimus dorsi um, really open up your lats. Restricted lats are going to hugely affect how 
easily you bring your arms overhead and whether they get stuck sort of um, out in front of your face or whether you're able to cleanly take your, take them take the arms back over your head and get your get your head through your arms position so again maybe look at your lats as well um, horrible horrible ones a foam roll absolutely horrible but laying on your side arm overhead as as, as clean overhead as you can and and just gently it's really difficult to move up and down but gently rock towards almost so you're coming in under the armpit rock rounding towards your back and then back rounding towards the side um, changing the arm position changing the roller position and really trying to open up the lats and there's a lot of different ways to sort of look into releasing through the chest and the um, lats and, and like Liam said um, shoulder position but look to look to mobility more than anything else I think initially um, it may be down to the way your scapulas are rotating um, so essentially a few weaknesses in the lower traps maybe that when you're taking arms into that overhead position your scapulas are elevating um, and rotating incorrectly and almost creating a jam so they're not not allowing your your body to move properly and that creates that thoracic sort of issue as well so there could be a lot of things it's quite a complicated area the shoulders are probably one of the most complicated movement moving parts in your body um, yeah it's quite a quite a tricky one just to sort of pinpoint one area to focus but i would say in summary Liam, if you're if you're in agreement look at your chest your big back muscles your lats um, and your thoracic extension and rotation uh, as a top three and see how you get on when you start mobilizing and opening those up see if that gives you a bit more overhead position and if again more than happy to come in for a bit of a movement assessment and figure out why you are struggling with that and how to how to improve it yeah definitely and i think sometimes as well just give doing those three sort of areas you know spend 15 minutes before you train loosen up your thoracic do some stretches on your chest um, give your lats a little bit of a roll and a stretch out and then just see how you feel. If, if, if you feel looser, chances are you probably uh, need to work on that a little bit more outside of the gym. It'll probably give you give you your answers there. But yeah, very, very common. Um, and as John said, pretty complex and movement patterns that go into it. So if you're struggling and kind of just not progressing with your lifting or it's causing other other issues, then that might be a sign to... Uh, to get things looked at but definitely as much mobility as, as you can do in those key areas will be brilliant for you perfect all right guys so that's um the main questions that we got in the only one um yet to answer was uh what you're having for dinner um and it was chicken stir fry if anyone is interested not very interested tonight but uh, there you go um and thanks for listening, guys. Stay safe and uh, you know where we are if you have any uh, aches, pains, injuries and, uh, and you want to get in touch. Absolutely. Couldn't agree more. Have a great week. Ping us any feedback you have and we look forward to the next podcast with you. Cheers, Liam. See you soon, mate. Take care. See you later. Bye.